0: Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join
1: me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting
0: with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Welcome back to Angel on Top, a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Angel one by one, spoiler-free, and in tandem with our arch-nemesis, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I'm your co-host, LaToya Ferguson, a.k.a. the Cordelia Chase of the Buffering Verse, a.k.a. Bones, a.k.a. one half
1: of the Gun Squad, a.k.a. Theodore K. Mullins. And I'm your co-host, Morgan Ludich a.k.a. the Winifred Burkle of the buffering verse, a.k.a. also Bones, a.k.a. the other half of the gun squad, and a.k.a. Frank Skabopoulos.
2: And this week we're watching Angel Season 3, Episode 10, Dad. Dad was written by David H. Goodman and directed by Fred Keller. It aired on the WB on December 10th, 2001.
1: And this is the one where Angel tries to protect his newborn son from a growing list of enemies and ends up learning he had everything or rather everyone he needed all along.
2: Previously on Angel. Whoops, look at all that we have done to Holtz. Sh- Sajon made his deal with Holtz. He's also non-corporeal. Expecting a bad thing to happen right about now. Let's dissect this baby. It's a human baby. There will be no birth. Whoops again! A lot has happened in these past few episodes. The one good thing. steak. The rain! Holtz lets Angel go. He will show no mercy. And we're back. We are. It is still raining because we're still on the same night uh, as um, the last episode. Because this is uh, my first note of the episode, which is that this is something the show started doing, like in, I want to say, I I guess they did in season one with the faith stuff. uh, But season Mm -hmm. two, I think really it's noticeable with like a a reprise in Epiphany where you have, you know, Angel's whole dark of the soul, and then immediately he's like, I had an epiphany. We gotta go show up and tell everybody I had an epiphany. Oh, Angel. <laughs> and of course, the Pylea arc, and it's uh, something that, without spoiling, will become like, I think it's amazingly impressive in season four. And that's just taking these arcs and, and making them in a place that's such a short span of time that, you're, that you kind of have to just, like, take a beat and be like, oh, yeah, this all happened like in one night. <laughs> these past. Four episodes. Gosh, time for some TV is movies discourse, right? Sometimes TV really can be movies. Uh, but yeah, also the, the way Angel does this with storytelling too, eventually, especially and I think it starts around here, makes the viewing guides, like the crossovers with Buffy. Um, it's you, That's why you need those viewing guides basically because there'll be long stretches <laughs> where it's like, just watch like eight episodes of Angel and then you can watch <laughs> Buffy again as opposed to trading off.
1: Yeah, this opens with like everyone running in from the rain uh Cordy is like already like all right how do we baby proof this place like we got to cover up the outlets and it honestly that's making me think of like a Hyperion hotel with all those like big slippy plastic things on the doorknobs where you have to turn them and none of the drawers will open right anymore like all of that I get a kick out of that gun will hate it (laughs) they'll all hate it they really will it won't work for any of them (laughs) Courtney will put them in and then she will regret it for forever because those things are a pain in the ass.
2: Well, we know, obviously, Wes would know how to use them because he's an expert.
1: Yes, an expert on all things uh, prenatal and postnatal. <laughs> <laughs> but Angel is like not into letting anybody else hold this baby. This is like the first time we see it. Like she tries to take over for a second and he is not having it.
2: <laughs> he is uh, not. He is a. Uh... Very protective father. And also, they, when they arrive at the hotel, they see all the leftover carnage. Because, like, Lila had cleaners come, but they just cleaned up the bodies. There's still a bunch of blood um, and the cages uh, that poor Fred thinks people... Something skittered out of it. Skittered is, of <laughs> course, the word, as we know. But nope. It was for baby and mother.
1: <laughs> and they are so handily labeled, so... <laughs> Well yeah, they and were labeled by your favorite it. character. Dr. F. I miss you every day, bro. Ew. <laughs> another 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 group of people added to my my list of angels in this episode. Um, Dr. F up there in heaven, <laughs> along with my my tusky tusky boys, but we'll get there. We'll get there because I was like, oh no, Morgan's gonna be like unconsolable. I was devastated. <laughs> and then
2: Wesley gets all British and says, not to mention some bastards blowing a gaping hole in the lift.
1: Yes. And Angel's like, oh, that was me. And then Wes immediately rolls back on it and it's like, well, we never use it, so it's no big deal.
2: He, he uh, pulls a manpire which is like, sorry, my
1: bastard. <laughs> oh my god. And then it this is when lauren comes in, correct? Yeah. And he refers to the baby as a little nipper. <laughs> and himself as Uncle Lauren. I was like, wow, you're feeling familiar. And I think it's cute.
2: Well, yeah, he's like house guest now because, as he pointed out, they've just had his place destroyed twice. He lives there now. Uh, he's not paying rent. You can suck it, all of you. And you know what? Um, I think this did this get cut kind out of the episode? But I was talking about how it kind of seems like they blew up the set of Caritas basically to to force Lorne to becoming a full time player, like as part of the gang now.
1: I remember you saying it and I can't remember if it exists in the final version, but if it does not, it's good to restate here because it does seem like it's forcing him to really have to be in Team Angel's orbit in a much more consistent way. Like now that it's not about going to Lorne for help, it's about having Lorne around and him, you know, always now being involved because he, you know, lives under the same roof.
2: Because uh, we are TV nerds. We've talked about this before. Like, when you have a standing set like Karatashi, like, getting rid of it, like, blowing it up, setting it on fire is a big deal. So to do that, it's like, this isn't something where it's just, oh, he's going to do some repairs on it now. Like, they destroyed that set. So, basically, they had to have a reason for that, obviously. They're not getting rid of Lauren; They're, like, bringing him more into the fold. Because as we've pointed out before, too, they've still been calling him the host this season after the Pylea arc, which is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I feel like once you go to someone's like homeland and have a big adventure with them, that they, they, you start calling them by their real name and not like a weird descriptive nickname, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. I'm I'm excited to see what they do uh, again, not to get TV nerd out too hard, but like the idea that like, okay, if we're going to get rid of the pi- uh, the um, Caritas set, like what's going to come? Like, are we going to get the, I and I honestly can't remember not having uh, gotten like, you know, further into my rewatch. So I'm excited to see what we do with the space. Either they have a new and exciting location we're going to be spending a lot of time in or they're just going to have more room to build like temporary sets uh, so they don't have to go on location to shoot stuff. Um, either way, fun for us. <laughs> yeah fun for us specifically because again we are uh,
2: big old nerds but yeah as, as you noted angel won't let anyone hold the baby wouldn't we'll even let cordy put ointment on the baby
1: yes and when he tries and it doesn't go so well cordy makes a snarky remark about how it's because he doesn't have a woman's touch and i'm like cordy come on Pretty gender normative of you. And then
2: she uh, emphasizes that with a, a, a gay joke as his fasting expense, which she has made before. Well, I before it wasn't even a joke. She just, like, that was when she was thanking him for getting her new clothes and saying that he has, like, a gay man's taste, which was a compliment.
1: <laughs> definitely a compliment, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're definitely, this is the beginning of us establishing that they're very much at odds about the realities of raising this child and mm-hmm. what it will look like. Because Angel is, like, he is so clearly bonded with um, this kid right away. Which I mean, like, yeah, it's his son. Uh, I was really interested. Someone on Twitter um, added us asking us if we... Um, what we thought about the fact that the way like with Angel's curse, his humanity, his soul wasn't, uh, you know, immediately ripped from him upon having the perfect moment of happiness of seeing his newborn child for the first time. And for me, I was like, oh, it's probably because the woman he has like really complicated feelings for killed herself in front of him.
2: Yeah. It's attached to so much trauma uh, that, I think that removes the actual happiness if it had been you know a, a quote unquote real birth perhaps maybe it could have triggered it and they really should have been worried about that but they had a lot of things on their plate from these past few episodes the circumstances with which uh, this baby was born they kind of made it so you couldn't he couldn't even have a moment to have that moment of perfect happiness you know
1: yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of balls in the air, so to speak, like with Holtz, with the rain, with the death of Darla, with the like just intense and overwhelming pressure that surrounds this baby's like potential safety, like as happy as I'm sure he was to see that uh, that little cutie, which what a cute baby he was um, very cute. good TV baby. um i I think it. I think they solidly earn that uh, he <laughs> does not experience a moment of true and perfect happiness in that second. But I did want to address that because i thought that was a fun question good question yes
2: you know it's also it's interesting that obviously angel's attached to this baby but it's uh, it's interesting that you I mean, like cordy is one he won't let touch it because you know how close he is to her you would think she'd be the like the exception but there is no exception in this case at all
1: no there isn't and and i i i totally buy that like i i think that it's something that's like really well earned with this character because that's a hard a hard thing to share like angel has always been a person who's not good at like opening up like that's mm-hmm. clearly his kind of like default reaction and when you have a child like that i mean i assume i have not had a child um that i would assume you're like survival your instincts to make this child safe and survive like must go into overdrive and he must just not want to give the responsibility or delegate any piece of it away especially mm-hmm. given how much danger the kid immediately is in but um, it definitely is unreasonable <laughs> I mean yeah it's,
2: uh, it's like his emotions are heightened or something it's
1: ridiculous oh gosh, yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah then we have another um, patented angel uh, reveal where uh, Gunn and Fred are talking about uh, this baby dissecting blade and Fred's like think he could throw it and he's like I guess why and it's because there's a demon who has come to kill them <laughs> this gag does not get old for me honestly these reveals at all
1: no and they are so good it, it's such good like fred gun stuff they're so good and cute at it because they are their dynamic is just so like light and airy like it, it really is just like lovely and quirky and fast and poppy and that they can kind of just like they're, I think it's because I'm always lulled into the security of their conversation. So when they pivot into the joke of like, ah, we're in danger, I'm always like, oh my gosh, but I was just, um, you know, entranced by how cute you guys are. <laughs> uh, so I think, yeah, I will never not fall for it.
2: It works 100% of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, too but,
2: cute. But yeah, but this is a, a new demon, not one of Morgan's boys. Uh, mm-hmm. So let us confirm that, you know, Demons and other people are just They're still after the baby because of this prophecy, man uh, But Angel's more concerned with the baby Who needs a fresh diaper So, again,
1: whoops Daddy Angel um, That takes us into our next scene, right? In Wes's office Which is a um, a Wes and Angel scene Wes uh, gives Angel some shit About having sex on his desk And now having a baby on his desk And seeing as though you once nearly had sex on my desk I shouldn't be surprised that now there's a baby on it Hey First of all, that wasn't me. That was some guy who switched bodies with me. And second of all, can we just keep the, you know, the SCX talk away from the baby? I was very happy to hear a Carpe Noctum reference, an episode that is near and dear to my heart as it is my first one with you. Uh, so I was stoked that they were talking about it. I wrote in my notes, <laughs> baby's first app," But I also do love that uh, Angel... Covers the baby's ears and is like, can you cut it out on the SEX talk? And I'm like, honey, he's not picking that up.
2: (laughs) You don't know what a baby will learn, Morgan.
1: Fair enough, fair enough.
2: Uh, An old man angel rears his beautiful head as
1: he literally calls uh, the diapers newfangled. Newfangled. He's used to the ones with the pins. And I'm like, how? How are you
2: used to the ones with the pins? And then I decided in my mind it was because of his little sister who he was very
1: close to. I'm even like wondering if they had safety pins back then. (laughs) But um, I also do really uh, deeply want to note that um, Angel hands Wes a used diaper uh, in this scene, and then Wes goes outside and throws it on the reception desk, and I take back everything that I said about Cordy and her like women's touch thing because a woman wouldn't do that, <laughs> and I I feel such violence inside of me <laughs> when I saw that. I was like, this is disgusting, because you know you know Cordelia or Fred is just gonna find that at some point and just be like, ah. God! And I just, I feel for
2: that. Agreed. And now we've got an old-fashioned Angel Investigations whiteboard situation going. We got two columns, baby. Groups or mm-hmm. individuals who we know pose a threat to the baby. And then we have those who could pose a threat once they get wind of the baby. We got a, a, an assortment of people, but I, I like uh, one thing, which is that we have the Scourge on the list, which are the Nazi demons from season one who Doyle sacrificed himself to stop. It makes sense that they would want to, like, take this baby and kill it because it's definitely an abomination to them.
1: I I love them. I love their whiteboard. I love their, like, rinky-dink list of enemies and that they're just, you know this little handful of goofballs trying to tackle the world um i just i love their family like i know like the the reveal at the end is like he has the like you know these are the people who are going to keep the baby safe like he just has to trust in the people around him but it's just there to begin with i love them i was just it's so cute they're so charming god how do they do it Morgan is just beaming.
2: Everyone, just so you know,
1: but the baby is not on board and starts to cry very loudly. But Angel proceeds to say "baba" so many times. Yes, he encourages the baby to take its baba as if the baby knows what that means. This little guy is hours old. He, is, <laughs> he look. He doesn't know shit. <laughs> you're you're not gonna have good luck. But um, he is. Determined to do it itself and himself and like still is like blocking anyone out from helping him, which doesn't seem like it's working out too well.
2: It doesn't. Uh, none of this is working out too well for Angel, I have to say. Uh, Gunn even offers to help Angel and Angel's still like, nope. Come on, Angel. Let him in. This is why you have friends. And then uh, we go to uh, your favorite character, Holtz and Sajan. And your actual favorite character is the boys, as I call them. <laughs>
1: yes uh this is where i write down my boys drinking big gulps with a heart next to it and then i also write down excitedly that they they have a two-week contract and i'm like great i'm gonna get to see them for so much longer
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh poor morgan this is where morgan cries obviously
1: obviously yet again i'm crying on this podcast holtz poisons my beautiful boys
2: I did get teary-eyed at a point in this episode, just so you know. I will uh, let you know when we get there. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, So Holtz is to Sajan, why didn't you tell me Darla was pregnant? He's like, didn't seem important. Come on. Uh, But Holtz actually, you know, that hasn't changed his mind. He's like, she got off easy.
1: Okay. Yikes. Um, But he, like, says that he doesn't want... Like, my beautiful muscly boys, he wants, like, real warriors who will really fight. So he insists that he is committed to this cause, even though, like, Sajan's, like, side-eyeing him a lot and being like, you sure you're committed? Because you could have killed him and didn't. I mean, he's committed to this cause where Sajan even
2: says, we've got prophecies to fulfill. Hulshin's say skirt, rewind. <laughs> we need to talk about that.
1: Full record scratch. Like, what... Again, I know as we've discussed, as I have been told repeatedly, vengeance is not a clear-headed but state. In of this mind. case,
2: Sajan's clearly saying he's a pawn.
1: Yeah, and it just seems like if you're if you're at a point where you're like zooming out and strategizing once again, maybe take in that information as well and and have some thoughts about it, Holtz. This is just some advice from me, Morgan, who you don't know. <laughs>
2: Uh, but yeah, regarding Morgan's boys, Holt says they're soulless beasts, but only to maim and kill. That's, that's my Holt's British accent.
1: And I'm like, yeah, maybe if you only had a like, a working relationship with them in these specific confines. Like, you saw them at the gym. These boys are sweet. They want to get their pump on. <laughs> they're not and... sweet, Morgan. That is what they
2: are. Their soulless beasts spread only to maim and kill. Sajan said that in their introduction at the gym. You just didn't
1: listen. yeah. I bet I could change him.
2: Oh no! <laughs> but he wants to find info using this box, which is uh, the Mac that Satan <laughs> has set up in his layer. <laughs> Turning on the Mac it features the return of demons, demons, demons uh, website.
1: I love it. Very broad city.
2: <laughs> Cut to Angel Investigations also using th- their big old box. Also, they're using their Mac, but it's a laptop. Mm. Um, the little teddy bear and the diapers on the on the table.
1: That's cute. It is, but the baby is still crying. That's what babies Um, do, I'm aware. Yeah, I mean, not all the time, though. Like, it is an unnerving sound for a reason. When a baby's crying, you want to try to soothe it. Um, (laughs) And Angel is remaining unsuccessful. Uh, Lauren comes in and explains that he had the Furies put a safety spell on the place. So I guess no one can get in or out Unless they use the exit in the sewer, uh, which has a password, which is the Pylian word for hedgehog,
2: which uh, means something very different in English, and I wish we knew because Fred thought it was hilarious. Uh, it had to be dirty.
1: It had to be dirty, and I she's so cute about it, and the two of them had this like little like exchange about it, and they're both just like sharing a private giggle, and it made me so happy, and I like. I like Lauren as a member of the crew. Like, let's yeah. This feels start establishing right now. all the dynamics. Like, this mm-hmm. feels
2: very right. But yeah, they're also thinking, of like, more people and possibly more ninjas. But no, there was just the one ninja, and we saw him, and he did performative knife play. I'm sorry, sword play, and it was mm-hmm. hot. And mm-hmm. sorry for Lila's fuckboy.
1: Truly, R.I.P. to a hunk.
2: <laughs> right. There's also three, Gone apparently. forgotten. Three different websites offering money for the baby. And Angel has Fred trace the websites. Like, that's a thing she can do. But later when she's explaining why it's being so, so hard, Cordelia can translate what she's saying to Angel, which means she also
1: knows, like, hacking and stuff. Which, what's happening here? Look, I guess they're taking some, like, classes at the learning annex about computer stuff. Because I, I
2: didn't even know what Fred was saying. And I'm good at computers. And Corey's like, this is what it means. I'm like, I still don't understand
1: what you're saying. I guess maybe we're to believe that she explained it to Cordelia a while ago, so Cordelia is therefore able to translate it. Although I guess Cordy has had to be like the
2: hacker of the group. She's been the computer girl of the group until now, so.
1: Yeah, before Fred, before like like guns, like the man on the streets. Wes is the man with the books, and Cordy is Cordy's going to, to demons, demons, demons. <laughs> yeah, she's she's on the demons, demons, demons boards. What is her handle for commenting? Bloody Becky, <laughs> bloody Becky. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, it all comes full circle.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah. Fred also makes – they say Fred brings up the firebomb exception for uh, the force field. She and Gunn both do that whole thing where they're like the same thing. They're like, why did you say that? But, like, they're right when they do it and just, like, accept it, everyone.
1: Look, yeah, sometimes the truth isn't palatable. Does that mean people should lie? I don't think so. So this is also where Cordelia is like, hey – what if we took this newborn baby to a hospital because it needs like immunizations and like tests and things like that. And Angel's like, absolutely not. I'm angry now.
2: <laughs> and he tells the team to do better. It's like, oof. And then he, he, he says, he makes it clear. I promised his mother, no one is going to put their hands on this child. No one. And he has taken it so literally that even his, his friends can't put their hand on this child.
1: We are within hours of this kid's birth. It is normal to be defensive, but it is definitely frustrating to watch because it's so hard. You know, like because we know these people are like fully in his corner, fully in this baby's corner, would never do anything wrong, only want to help. So it is, it's, it is hard to watch. Mm-hmm. At least it was for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we have didn't note that Lauren, who is here, keeps hearing a hum in the hotel, uh, oh. which. Uh, Turns out to be uh, Gavin's amazing surveillance. Uh, state of the art, you guys. Just state of the art. Thank God we have those ears. Thank <laughs> God we have Lauren's perfect pitch. Right. And uh, Linwood uh, is pissed over at Wolfman Heart because the child wasn't supposed to be born. <laughs>
1: And Lila's like, yeah, slight loophole and everything. (laughs) Because it was never actually
2: born. They say basically that, you know, maybe he's getting paid too much, the translator, but like they're about to kill that translator, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Poor guy. I hope they have someone else lined up because he did seem knowledgeable. Uh, But yeah, I don't think he's long for this world.
2: I mean, the one he was worried about, like wanting his job, uh, uh, you know, he's there.
1: Yeah, he accidentally completely suggested a good replacement
2: (laughs) Yeah, Lindbergh also
1: wants the Nyhazian
2: scroll writers to to work on contracts and negotiations. And you know what? Smart. We need to get into the origins of who's writing these scrolls because they're all tricky bitches.
1: Yeah, I would love to know. That would be very helpful. Um, this is also where Gavin, I think, says he has, like, a team out searching. And then he looks at Lila and he's like, I'm sure you would have thought of that given time. Because they cannot stop jockeying for position to save their lives. I... I love my messy, competitive bitches.
2: See, this dynamic rules. When it was just, like, Lila versus Gavin, it was just like, no, go away, Gavin. But with Linwood there and them, like, competing right in front of him, it's so good.
1: It it really is. With someone to, like, preen for and and, like... The immediate, like, consequences of that dynamic and that fighting, being present, helps so much. Uh, Linwood says he wants to find Holtz, and, like, that's their next big, uh, like, you know, thing to do. Uh, So Lila and Gavin kind of have their marching orders, and then Linwood talks to the baby.
2: (laughs) That's a cute little
0: baby. Yes, you are. And your daddy is a vampire with a soul. And sometimes, he reverts to a creature of pure, malevolent evil who could rip your tiny throat out. Yes, he does.
1: (laughs) The best. I would like to speak about this. This evil (laughs) baby talk, which I
2: honestly wrote in my notes, hot.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, love that for you. Um, Yeah, I love that he is talking to the baby about Angelus. And I just, like very much shades of the mayor the idea of softening him in a way that makes him infinitely more upsetting it's like don't mistake this man for like just what you see there is also tenderness to him but that tenderness is horrifying because he admits freely and as if this is not a problem at all that the senior partners took his children from him when they were like too young for him to get to form a relationship with him and he's like yeah you know say la vie and that is chilling he's like i
2: like kids and he talks about that it's like oh okay and he thinks it's gonna be cute to turn up the surveillance so he can hear the baby and it's just screaming and they're all like oh, this is bad he's like turn it down <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a a short-lived interest in this baby. He
2: actually is going to be so cute. It's like the baby's just screaming. I don't know what you want to hear. It's a baby. It can't talk, Linwood.
1: Yeah, and and it's not in like a cooing stage yet because it is angry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Baby Angie. You know what's not Angie is actually adorable is Angel with Teddy, the baby (sighs) teddy bear.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) I was unwell um he's so, like him with the bear him with the lullaby like dad dad angel was very much doing it for me um like kind of like borderline piss baby like i will not allow anyone to help me or touch my baby and i'm gonna do reckless shit because i feel like it angel um who, who ended up largely being a plan mm-hmm. i liked less but doting kind of hapless dad like three men in a baby and but just one vampire in a baby energy is good to me it is and it
2: besides the lullaby there's also him and teddy doing backup on smoky
1: robinson for lord hello Oh, my God. When Lauren comes in and sings Smokey, I write in my notes, for this reason alone, my father must watch Angel because he is a big Smokey Robinson fan. And, like, just truly every word Lauren was saying was things I've basically heard my dad say. And he's like, look, this kid doesn't like Smokey. Like, I thought you said he had a soul. Um, (laughs) I was, I was many emotions. I was unwell. They're so cute.
2: Yeah. So Lauren's telling Angel that the baby can feel Angel's anxiety and just like, look at your kid, just like really look at your kid. So Angel's, you know, looking at his kid, he's doing funny faces. And the final one is his vamp face, which actually works to quiet his baby, which is so sweet. And that's where I teared up.
1: Of course, okay. That's a perfect moment to tear up because it is so lovely. I believe I had like my face in my hands and was staring at the screen adoringly at that moment. It is so lovely, and I love what Lauren also says. This baby is more than a mission. Like, and and I don't think I, I appreciate that because Angel is someone who's very much like a directive person. And that's not how you learn a child. You don't like make it your goal to like learn how to fix your kid's problems and make him stop crying. You instead have to just be and like feel what works and what doesn't. And that there is there are no shortcuts there. And there is actually really not a lot of linear movement there. Like it's all this weird kind of emotional intelligence that i don't think angel really excels at and i do love that lauren tells him his vibes are bad and that he doesn't pass a vibe check which he (laughs) could not
2: (laughs) he could not at all but yeah that baby
1: loves vamp face and i love that baby yeah because that baby loves him and that's just like it it's such a beautiful thing like that he like it this is his son like that It has love, like this, he, this little boy, has love for Angel and all that he is, um, just inherently, you know, because he's his. Uh, Good to me. Lovely to me. Now I am tearing up. (laughs) Good to me,
2: like that moment I reference often, which is when Buffy kisses Angel's bumpy face. Yes. (laughs) Back, uh, so in uh, an emotionless place, we Mm -hmm. are in Wolfman Hart's files and records room. Angel is uh, looking up uh, Angel's files and uh, our our lady friend who is, you know, heading up files and records is played by Stephanie Courtney, who um, everyone, like everyone must know as Flo from the Progressive commercials.
1: That is where I recognized her from. I knew you would tell me, so I just decided not to look it up so that I could be excited on Mike. Wow. okay, Flo herself, files and records and she is like stuck seemingly in like a file cabinet labyrinth basement uh and Of course she is she... this is Wolfram
2: Heart. Of course like of course she is like
1: duh. But also I I have
2: to pay respect to Stephanie Courtney because she has a prolific acting career. Like mm-hmm. she was on Mad Men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's been recurring on the Goldbergs for years now. Like she still
1: acts, but she also like makes fucking bank as Flo, so dude, that Flo money. That flow money must be amazing. If you're listening, you're an advertising executive, and for some reason you really want me to talk uh, about your thing, let me know. Because I want to get some of that flow money.
2: We all want the flow money, but I don't even know if it's possible. Like, no one gets that flow money besides flow. That's fair.
1: I love that uh, Lila is given a big old binder. And she's like, great, this is all the angel files. And they're like, no, 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 no. That is like the table of contents to all of the Angel files. Um, Angel has 35 cabinets dedicated. And counting, because it's always yeah. updating. Mm-hmm. And uh I love that for him.
2: He is prolific, baby.
1: hmm So uh Lila has her work cut out for her. Uh, okay, so um
2: here we go. <laughs> <laughs> We got a daytime scene. A lot of this takes place in the daytime, actually, this episode. But this is like out and about in the daytime. Mm -hmm. And Holtz is out and about in the daytime. And he has an obituary for a woman named Julia Cooper. Not Julie Cooper, but Julia Cooper. (laughs) And then he Mm -hmm. is tailing some other redhead cool girl who smokes.
1: Dang, this girl's alt. (laughs) She's
2: got a leather jacket. And you know what? She knows he's tailing her. And i knows my notes, it really is weird that this is in broad daylight but I guess it makes sense cuz it makes clear that he's not a vampire which is a, a, a important point.
1: Her name is Justine. Uh, I guess Julia was her twin and was, you know, k- you know, killed by, you know, two puncture marks in her neck and an extreme loss of blood so Animal attack. Do the math. <laughs> Yes, by an animal attack and he's like come with me i'll help you achieve your ends (laughs) and she is reasonably not interested he like throws her against a car and then against a brick wall and i'm like if this man approached me in this way i would like i mean i would break his windpipe but you know, if I couldn't because he was a more skilled fighter than me, I would never speak to him ever, and I would like, um, I, w- I would never mean, have cool
2: girl dialogue with him.
1: Yes, I don't think I would become his like you know girl Friday protege. I mean, like no, we'll pain. talk more
2: about it in their next scene. But I just want to say, uh, Justine is played by Laurel Holliman, best known for playing Tina on the L Word. And I, you know what? Mm-hmm. I know this one. I explained it up because I know this one. Tina was with Bette, which is Jennifer Beale's character on the L word. That's a thing I know.
1: Hey, look, add it to our list of things we know about the L word. Number one thing, we know we will never be watching it. Number two thing, <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> Kristen's Corner.
1: Kristen's Corner.
0: It's all Riley and What the fuck? It is hot. Kristen's Corner is the place for very. Hey, you haven't heard from me in a while, but I just, I had to insert myself here as somebody who has seen the first season of The L Word no less than two times and has hosted the first season of an L Word podcast called To Ellen Back just to represent for all of you. I'm here to say that I am not a fan of Tina Kennard and I am not a fan of Justine. I find no redeeming qualities in either of these people. If you, like me, are somebody who values the wonderful horror that is the L word, you can just tweet at me uh, and let me know. I will will share space with you, fellow L word people who have seen Tina arrive on your television screens now as Justine and you're upset all over again. I'm sorry if this is a controversial take. I'm sorry if you don't like me, but this is my corner. So you're just going to have to deal with it. Also, Latoya and Morgan, I really think that you should watch at least a few select episodes of The L Word with me, your friend Kristen. Kristen's Corner. Kristen's Corner.
2: God, we're just gonna get like hate mail. Like, why wouldn't you watch The L
1: Word? Because now the bit is too good. The bit, yeah, we can't, we can't turn back on our principles, which is sticking to a bit. <laughs> Uh our next scene is in the Hyperion lobby and uh Fred is having no luck uh tracking all of the websites. <laughs>
2: and she's very worried because Angel comes downstairs and she's like, oh no, we are not done, but Cordy's like, I'll talk to him. And of course Angel still won't let anyone hold the baby.
1: And I love I love that Cordy and Fred are in like sweats. Like they're in there like we stayed here overnight and yeah. like, like This is the so... rest of
2: the episode attire because again, this all just takes place. In, like, one fell swoop. Cordelia says
1: about the baby, look at that brow. He's a miniature you. Uh, And Angel admits to being up all night watching him, but not in, like, uh, he was crying all night way. Just that he was up all night watching his son sleep and, like, Mm. marveling at the miracle of new life. And that's sweet. That is nice. Dad Angel, I love you. (laughs) So Cordelia's like, hey, what if you... Kind of unclenched a little bit. And, like, let us hold the baby and things like that. And Angel says, I'm the only – like, I'm the only family this kid has. I Aww. have to be everything to him and everyone to him. Like, there's no room for other people. Because you're everyone to him. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Um, But I – it's really sad. And I – I know, like, again, I know this is Angel's knee-jerk reaction, but I'm just so bummed because I'm like, come on, these people, like, you know, like, they are your family. Like, this is what families do. You Mm -hmm. can all take care of this baby together. And, like, you can't do it all yourself. Like, it's just not possible. (laughs) I mean, he
2: didn't Um, ask for this. Nobody ever does. Um, But then we have Cordy with the tough love. And the scene that I think about a lot, actually, the scene Mm -hmm. in the courtyard, it rules.
1: It's really, really good. And she, like, does not mince words. She's like, you actually can't do it all. You really can't. And she's like, and you know how I know you can't? And she takes his hand and pulls it into the daylight and says, what if you needed to take him to the hospital right now? Like, and he's just, like, sizzling and crackling in the sun. And she's like, right, you couldn't because you need other people. Because there are so many things this baby's going to need. And you're just not going to be able to fulfill all of those. Like, you know, because of your vampirism, but also because you're just, like, only one person. It's really good. She makes a excellent point. But uh, Angel doesn't agree.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Angel gets really gnarly and he keeps his hand out in the sun. And he's like, I will get him... To the hospital, like in the brightest day of the year, even if like he'll get there, even if I don't. It's like, nope, this is not the point. We're trying to make Angel, and then, yeah, he storms it, off, and she's like,
1: "Damn it!" Yes, it is. He is being an emo little bitch, uh, for for the for the a beautiful reason—the love of his son. Uh, but it's like, oof, he is. He is not uh not even close to learning the lesson everybody is trying to teach him. In fact, he is getting further from it.
2: <laughs> he just uh put his hand in the sun. He is um not doing well.
1: Not great, Bob. And so he goes back inside, he has this little conversation with Lauren, who again references the humming he's been hearing, and asks if he smells bacon. <laughs> Or he says, "Did someone fall asleep with the curtains open?" <laughs> Lorne. tight <laughs> no five, one. tight five, and no one likes Lorne's tight five. Which, come on, guys, this
2: is why you need Caritas because Lorne got to do his tight five every night.
1: Ah, uh, poor Lorne. I hope that I hope that people start laughing at his jokes soon. It's what he deserves. <laughs>
2: it is. Uh, but yeah, he gives Angel a tip, which is mm-hmm. like he's he's patting him on the on the breast pocket, which mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's revealed later, but like. No, me knowing at least what's going on. I, like I could be like, this is what he did.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I think it's. I think it's nicely done. Uh, it's a. It's a good. It's a good. Like you. You remember that conversation because of like the way they hang the lampshade on it with like Lauren's joke and everything. Like that's just like another piece of like I think good and clever writing is when you're going to call back to something like making it specifically memorable because I mean you never know how closely your audience is watching TV so the idea that like you want to like call attention without calling the specific attention to it mm-hmm. without like really tipping your hand on what exactly yeah, this, is doing this seems like a normal angel
2: moment. and Lorne scene
1: yeah yeah it's just great um a plus like everyone making the show is like knows what the fuck they're doing and it is what? so apparent <laughs> i yeah i know An incredibly scorching hot take for me that the uh, all the incredibly talented upper level writers of angel who've gone on to have big
0: careers know what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> this is why you come to this podcast folks <laughs>
2: Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky.
1: I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter.
0: I can break things and pick locks and kill people.
1: Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't wet its appetite. What are you, an idiot?
2: Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dallowance and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Gunn also arrives and you know what? He, he took the sewer to get in, the sewer entrance, which means he had to use the password, which means I wanted to see that.
1: Yeah, come on. What silly word did he say?
2: Gunn noticed that there are, like, the vampire cults parked outside the hotel, as is a bank- biker gang he's, like, familiar with, that they do some uh, kidnapping and extortion. And then also some uh, hooded cloaks, which Wesley notes are the Lilliad demons. They level a, a nice broth with the bones of human children, and they're like, let's see if this child makes the recipe even tastier.
1: Uh, they they want a stew going, and that stew is going to be made out of Angels Baby, which is deeply worrying. And also,
2: this, these even seem fucking cool because they also have like magic and can break the Fury spell, and like their power is based on the moon- lunar cycle. It's going to be the full moon, so they're going to be super powerful. I'm like, they're
1: awesome. And the when we get to it, their makeup is awesome. And I, I thought their robes were beautiful. I was, um, I mean, you know, not into their philosophy, not into their habits, not into their diet. But I do have to say aesthetically, I'm, pick, I'm picking up what they're throwing down. But uh, we know that we have until the moon rises uh, for the, like, spell to hold up, um, keeping everybody out.
2: Layla's been reading all night and all day. <laughs> And she says, what Aww. kind of a wussy name is Liam anyway? How dare you, ma'am?
1: Excuse me. Liam was a himbo prince. Also, you worked with a dude named Lindsay. Yeah, come on. I bet she did clown on him a lot for his name.
2: But <laughs> we never well saw, saw it. So that's things. the thing. She clowned on him for a lot of things. We just never saw so her clown him for his name. You think Darla loves you. Oh.
1: <laughs> Oh my god. Lila again just I I hate to love her, but I do. Um she she just she, I something about her just really tickles me and I, I just know I shouldn't, but I can't I can't resist her. I I hate
2: myself for loving you, as uh, Joan Jett said. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to remember the, the pirate's name, and she uh says Holtz to which Symphony Courtney Files and records uh, just rattles off of that whole information because she's files and records. It's her job.
1: I love this. This is so fun. I love the effect when her like when mm-hmm. she closes her eyes and like there's like the card catalog flipping, like all of it's great. It's a perfect, super believable, like great addition to like Wolfram and Hart and their mythology. and it's again nice to see, as I had been asking before, who keeps track of all of this shit. Yes, and I, like,
2: hinted at it, and I was like, ooh, it's going to be very progressive, and that that's how <laughs> I roll.
1: So, is able to, like, understand from what Files and Records tells her, like, so this guy's, like, looking for vengeance. Great.
2: <laughs> yeah, his family massacred, uh, nine years, trying to find Angelus and Darla, 378 vampires killed in that time, which is actually quite a lot.
1: Yeah, that's in some impressive numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I wonder suck it, uh, Initiative. Suck it, Riley Finn. I'm, hey, I'm wondering if, like, how many is Buffy averaging in that kind of time? Like, I wonder if that would be an impressive stat even to her.
2: Yeah, I actually would like to know that. I know, I'm not I'm like, do, one day I'll do that math. I'm like, I'm not going to do this research. Like, that's not my kind of research. But, like, <laughs> someone can do that.
1: Please do math for us.
2: <laughs> uh, and then we have a scene that takes place 100% in a Sunnydale cemetery.
1: <laughs> Good I was, God. I've seen the cemetery before. Come on, and and like with the even like the way it's shot, like it is such a like uh, you know pastiche on Buffy. I write in my notes Justine doing Slayer shit, and then I write Holtz peeping comma helping (laughs) why are you like this i don't know uh but he is like he like she falls and like almost eats shit and he catches her and she you know is unable to dust this uh vampire and almost dies until holt saves her
0: your life has been ruined you can't sleep instead you wander the streets making others pay for what happened to your sister that's where i can help I see your talent, and I see your hate, and I know that I can shape and hone you into an instrument of vengeance. Sounds like fun.
1: It won't be. I know I've not been kind to Holtz. I I, I know that maybe I'm not the fairest person to make the judgment, but uh, I don't buy it. I'm confused. Who would agree to such a deal and be enticed by such a man? But um, I'd love your thoughts.
2: What are your thoughts on Justine before I get into my whole uh, spiel? Because this is where I get like into all my, my notes and my theories and my research.
1: I would say, you know, it's two scenes. So it's a little hard to judge. I, I would like to be charitable and believe that my opinion could change over time as we get, like, as the actress grows into the performance and as there are more scenes which i assume there will be but as it stands It'd be right hilarious now, they
2: just dropped it after this episode like it didn't oh, work out
1: yeah never mind um i would say it's it not doing it for me like it you know it seemed to to make a buffy comparison as strongly as they do and like which they just completely do visually and I think is a complete disservice to the character. Like it sets her up to be compared to the star of another related show that has had six years to establish herself and is a, like a fantastic and well-realized performance and written character, like all of that stuff to be like, kind of Buffy-like, huh? And have her like spout off a couple quips, like- Of course she cannot be Buffy. She just has to look like diet mean redhead Buffy. And I just like that's like that. Like that is not this. I would say not this actress's fault. Like in fully a fault of the way she is set up and introduced. And so I'm hoping that I come to like this character more. But as of right now left very little impression on me. Okay. No, thanks.
2: I will use that slam to segue into my stuff, which is that. um, So one thing is that I vaguely remember at the time, like there was a fan canon uh, that that Justine was possibly like a slayer potential who like aged out of being activated. That was something people talked about. And I mean, just like write that in your Shanshu prophecies, just uh, something to mull over, honestly. And, I, this is the first time I thought about, it in this case, particularly, like, if it's a warped Slayer-Watcher dynamic that's happening here. Because I thought this scene specifically felt like kind of like a warped um, Buffy's first Slay with Merrick situation, too. So I, I I kind of appreciated that, like, thinking through that perspective. I think I appreciated this scene more. But mm. also, like, the, the big thing with Justine, honestly, like, we have to say it, like, this is such a Kate Lockley insert that it hurts. Because... This was supposed to be Kate Lockley. And Elizabeth Rom was unavailable because she had just booked Law & Order.
1: I mean, it probably would have been more of an improvement because she has an established relationship to Angel in the show. But I don't know how much more enjoyment I would have gotten out of it because Kate, Kate is not my gal. Yes,
2: and she's not my gal as well. And also, I can now segue into my next point. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Thank you for setting me up without even knowing that. Which is that... So the issue is basically that um, uh, Laurel, she has the same... Like, she is the same actress type as Elizabeth Rom. Like, she has the same acting tics and, I would say, issues as her. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they, ca- they specifically cast someone as the same type instead of just, like, going for a different type completely. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we wanted Elizabeth. So let's just, yeah. like cast an elizabeth type so that's what they did here clearly instead of going like another direction when they couldn't get her and i think like a justine or a kate is like there's a difference between these characters and like their quit quips that just don't land to a character like faith who at least has like a bounce to her with her quips you know
1: mm-hmm. yes and there is there's is like i mean there is a kind of Manic energy to Faith's quips. Like, she, like, kind of, I heard this, uh, someone say something about Spider Man once that I really loved that all of Spider Man's jokes are like brought of this nervous anxiety that he could die at any second. So he's like making these jokes to make this whole experience like lighter and funner and bouncier for himself. So he's distracting himself from the fact that he is, you know, in peril Mm
2: -hmm. and And for faith that's very apparent like in faith hope and trick like her introduction it's very apparent
1: yeah like she uses humor to like mask her trauma whereas these gals both seem like like their humor doesn't for me doesn't seem to come from anywhere it seems to like be a very writerly attempt to make them seem more fun and poppy and enjoyable than they are and i find that neither actress so far really like delivers them super well and I don't like to rag on people but it just yeah it's never worked for me and Mm -hmm. I think I, I I like what you're saying about the idea of a like warped slayer watcher dynamic and I think that's really cool and I I definitely like like I said before I want Holtz to have someone to talk to who he can talk to about like the his emotions and kind of like even if he's not talking specifically about his own emotions he's talking about his feelings on vengeance and like the hatred he feels for angel and for you know his prey and all of that stuff like that is more what i wanted from the character but if it's to a character that doesn't really feel very fully realized or very effective or very interesting then i don't really know if that helps me at all Mm. with him.
2: I feel like this character really just tracks so much more if it is Kate, because like, while it seems like she possibly made peace with Angel, like at the end of Epiphany, like she was still off, like fresh off a suicide attempt. She had just lost her job. It's not Mm -hmm. like Angel ever followed up on her and like, or looked after her. Like it's easy to see her going down this path because she's not like, she couldn't like just put the genie back in the bottle after knowing about like vampires and demons. Like what else could she do really?
1: Yeah, and I think that's exactly the kind of, like, murky stuff this show is good at dealing with. Because sometimes you do seem to make your peace with someone and it doesn't take. And I I like the idea of, like, of Angel handling – having to handle that, like, with her and having to deal with some consequences there, like, yet again. And having her to be like, yeah, I changed my fucking mind. Because uh, it turns out all that shit that you did to, like, to me and that you did in general still fucking bothers me. Yeah, it's like, Um, I didn't have
2: a fucking epiphany, sorry.
1: Yeah, and that would be really, really valid. And I think I would have a lot to say about Angel and his, like, quest for redemption and the way that we talked about in these previous episodes that he knows... He cannot literally right the wrongs of the past. He cannot fix each. And, and This, as we said, is not my name is Earl. He is not going back and saying sorry to each person and fixing the thing. He is just paying it forward and hoping that eventually when it's time to like test the scales and, you know, weigh his heart against the feather or whatever, it's enough and he gets to become a real boy. But um, I think this would be a really nice, really like messy and true like feeling thing they could have done but you know actor availability that's why you have to do this and as much as it's like oh okay that definitely makes this make a lot of more lot more sense it has to work even if I don't know about what's going on behind the scenes and so far it doesn't seem like it
2: is yeah uh I tease this but like while like Holtz is the one that doesn't work for you Justine is the one that doesn't work for me at all
1: so so are you saying you think that I'm going to be a big Justine stan?
2: God, no. <laughs> you might finally like Holtz before you like Justine. <laughs> we shall see. Maybe I'd like her more, more if I want the L word, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm just, like, flipping through the Rolodex of angel people. I'm like, what about, like, the actress from Eternity? Like, what if she's, like, decided she's going to fucking kill vampires now after that whole, like, pseudo Angelus experience? Like, that'd be cool.
1: Biling time, baby. (laughs) Bring her back, baby.
2: Stop trying to always bring (laughs) Biling back, Morgan. (laughs) That's Morgan's uh, whole thing. She loves bringing Biling back.
1: I love bringing Star of Wild Wild West and Crank 2 by Ling back into the conversation.
2: Is is that streaming? Because maybe that should be a movie watch. I actually do think it is, and we should watch it. Yep. We should. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be having the time of our lives. I don't know about our, our Scoobies, but we'll love every second of it.
1: Oh, iconic. <laughs> So then we see the, our, our next scene is very brief and it's like the Liliad demons outside like chanting, they're beginning their work and uh, the vampire cult cultists and the bikers start fighting. So <laughs> chaos is really breaking out outside Angel Investigations. Yeah,
2: because they want to know who's going to kill uh, Angel Investigations first, basically. So that's what they're, they're fighting over. Mm-hmm. And then Angel, oh Angel, and you're like, the plan is in motion, Mm-hmm. But obviously, we don't know that. And Morgan especially doesn't know that because she doesn't remember that. So she's very upset.
1: I, oh my gosh, I was so angry. Angel is like, I don't like this plan. Like, I want to run with the baby. And I am just... Running with the baby. So angry. And like, Gun is pissed. And I'm like, he's still salty about season two, just like me. I read in my notes. <laughs> I mean, they clearly like, okay,
2: so we, because we've we've watched this episode and we're not talking mm-hmm. about it, we know that they all met in the janitor's closet and they talked about what they were gonna do. And like it was like, Gun, you talk about what I fired you.
1: <laughs> I love sense I- memory. <laughs> See, for me, I'm like I'm like Gun will be like, Yeah, then I'll talk about how when you fired me and you were such a dick and it fucking sucked and I hated you and I hated you so much. <laughs> and Angel's like, Calm down and, and Gun's like, Oh, yeah okay whatever whatever and then really like, tapped into his experience Fred's like Wait, what happened Charles and he's like oh, I'll tell you later so yeah you're gonna get an earful about it because it was not fun <laughs> I was late on rent that month and it sucked because oh, no, that someone... really depresses me. <laughs> yeah, because was income for him like that's what me- it makes me mad it was income for all of them and that makes me so mad because he not only like took away their like sense of purpose but he took away their jobs and, and in- he wasn't giving them unemployment you know this yeah and yeah were they gonna file for unemployment and be like yeah you used to get paid out of angel investigations llc yeah i mean actually sure. he
2: did have that set up though so like it probably like David Nabbit David probably said, said all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, maybe they got unemployment but still not enough. You know how that is.
1: Yeah. Oh, I do know how that is. Maybe David got them got them got them cobra. <laughs> <laughs> I am thinking about them. I'm thinking about David preparing for their severance.
2: I really miss David.
1: I miss David so
2: much. The only good billionaire
1: yeah, the only good billionaire David is really. I-, I loved the the realities of David and like what he would do for the group. Like that is what they needed, and I I miss him. David, come back. David, come back. <laughs> oh my god. And then um, Cordelia's like, "Hey Angel, did you hear anything I fucking said out in the courtyard?" And then Fred, doing her part, says, oh. "Angel." Don't leave us with her. I so I, which I of course wrote, punctuated with sad faces in my notes. Cause how could you say no to that that beautiful that beautiful little puppy do- dog eyed girl? You were gonna say him. I know it. <laughs> she got a cute little him. <laughs> you
2: like paused and you didn't say it, but I knew you were about to say it
1: uh because i was like i was like do i call I, I was gonna call her an angel and then i'm don't call her an angel but then i was like oh, look, a little punim yeah she's got a cute little punim and i love her um for those listening uh punim is a yiddish word for face that i have um made one in very important in my lexicon because it's a cute little word i love it <laughs> but angel storms out like a Little piss baby, and I'm
2: yeah. Him. And uh, Wolfman Heart surveillance, of course, saw all this and heard all this. They're like, he's running away. He's going through the sewers. Send the alpha <laughs> team. <laughs> alpha and then Linwood, team. It, Linwood, Linwood has like got it in his mind. This baby is going to like be the savior who like destroys all of them and. Like eradicates evil. He's like, we got to get that fucking baby. We got to dissect it. And Lila's like, dissection is good when Gavin's like, you know, <laughs> Gavin says Are something, you Gavin.
1: the baby is going to die? And she's like, no, I'm worried that you will get the baby killed before we can dissect it while it still breathes. And then the- Linwood. <laughs> linwood looks at them both with hard eyes (laughs) i love the way
2: things evolve from like thinking Gavin's just like come on gavin why are we doing this to daniel j camp to being like i love this back and forth every single time they're both terrible i they should both lose but also it's great and again hate fuck please
1: Please, like it, just for all of our benefits. But yes, I just love that Linwood is like, "Oh wow, that was deliciously evil, Lila." Like he's he's really like keeping a little scoreboard for the two of them, and he he liked that from her.
2: <laughs> yeah, alpha team engaged. They're outside the hotel. I'm <laughs> like, time for more commandos to die. Like you guys failed miserably last time, and uh, yeah. the force field is broken. And you know what? It's time to fuck watch.
0: watch
1: I thought a lot about this. Oh really? You thought a lot and, about this? And I I I think I have to bring out some some big guns here. And I have to say that I would like to fuck Daddy Angel. <laughs> oh yes.
2: I, I I I could tell. I could tell.
1: I was like, maybe I'll pick files and records, lady. But I'm like, no, I have to be true to my heart. I have to say it's dad angel, like singing Smokey Robinson, like playing with the teddy bear, like being sweet and soft and like ultimately like kind of letting go of his own like fear and ego and worries about this thing and like learning to be a functional part of this family that, like, shares the responsibility of raising this kid because that's what's going to be best for this kid, too. It's, like, mm-hmm. all of these people have so much to give. Like, Angel will be lucky to have his child learn and love and be accepted by Cordelia, by Gunn, by Fred, by Wes. Like, imagine that kid raised by that group of people. What a lucky baby. What an amazing kid. Like, and you see Angel start to get that. And it's a good look on him. It's a very cute look on him.
2: I it is. It. I, I very much agree. And again, season three, Angel is looking good. And yep. honestly, when you said Daddy Angel, I was just like, Day Bow Bow, honestly. <laughs> That's how sexy it is. But I, I think my choice is also obvious, which is Linwood. Linwood's yeah. fucking hot. In this He's so yes. evil, and everything he says, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Shut up, Wylan Gavin. Get out of here.
1: <laughs> it's just time for me and Linwood right on that conference table. Oh, love that for you. Love that for you.
2: <laughs> we are just back-to-back fucking Linwood.
1: <laughs> First Darla, then Linwood. <laughs> You're taking my sloppy seconds a couple times. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I had to strike while the like when is the right time you know fair
1: fair fair yeah.
2: I, like I had to go through again I had to go through my files and records and <laughs> think like well will I need to fuck Linwood another time this season. I'm like I don't know if that's like the case but like here like' it's him and talking about his children and like whoop, well, give him away and, like <laughs> turn it up turn it down and just <laughs> like uh his final scene with angel I'm just like
1: yes uh he's doing good. I would be his trophy wife. I would just, I would watch Real Housewives of Los Angeles, but Angel canonical Los Angeles where you're Linwood's wife and you're like (laughs) throwing wine in monsters' faces. Like, that's what I want to watch. (laughs) Yes, please.
2: I need a quip. I I need a quip for for my intro.
1: (laughs) I know where all the bodies are buried. My husband put them there. (laughs)
2: and now it is time because that barrier is down baby we are ready to battle yeah we're ready ready to die for angel the selfish bastard
1: i know i was like why are all of you doing this he's not worth it me <laughs> picking like deciding that i've picked angel to for my fuck watch but also being like he's not worth it like <laughs> I'm mad at him um Wes saying that he's channeling John Wayne in Rio Bravo I'm like oh that's cute gun saying he is channeling Austin Stoker in assault on precinct 13 I am screaming I am I am high-fiving a million angels assault on precinct 13 fucking rips um have you seen it LaToya you have yes oh i was so stoked about this pick. i loved that they high-fived i was so happy
0: Cordelia yeah i was like i missed them on
1: i miss them so much in that moment i was like oh yeah remember how they're best friends i need the i need the charles uh charles gunn and wesley Wyndham prices film podcast now <laughs> i need it right now i want to hear what they watch i want to hear them high-fiving over movie things and i would like to hear cordelia chase unwilling guest star i'm gonna cordelia is the producer
2: about. but she has to like she's like I- i've not seen any of these movies i don't
1: care yeah i don't like it i don't care your levels are off <laughs> <laughs> uh this is what i want because cordelia is like uh throw away your dvd players and get a life and i'm like cordy Movies are fun.
2: <laughs> Cinema. <laughs> so the factions are fighting still. And honestly, this fight choreo was hilarious.
1: Yeah, it was very goofy. I liked it a lot.
2: Dave Orgonis is popping out of a sewer on the, on the <laughs> L.A. streets. And that's also hilarious.
1: Look, and when now... you live in Los Angeles, that's just the kind of thing you see all the time.
2: <laughs> Back before the, the, the quarantine times, I was seeing people pop out of the sewers every day. All day. <laughs> all day <laughs> um yeah now alpha team is chasing him and then mm-hmm. some factions finally get into the hotel and then what says the flamethrower because again really i mean i love vampire diaries but they stole, stole so much from buffy
1: and angel mm-hmm. yeah and and flamethrowers are one of those things um i this is oh this is where we see the Lilith demons take their hoods off and they're they have such, like, spooky sea monster faces. They're and too cool to just be, like, an extra faction. Like, come on. I loved the way they looked. Like, they're so green and rubbery, and it, it like, feels very, like, I'm not an expert in old school Star Trek, but it felt very, like, old school Star Trek alien to me, which I thought ruled. Um, yes, more of that, please. I love when they do creature design. I love when there's practical makeup. I'm happy.
2: But yeah, the remaining faction members the, the, who are, have not been thrown, they realize uh, Angel took the child and, you know, so it's a chase,
1: baby. It is. I also love this second guy that Wes <laughs> has to be like, yeah, like the, the little look Wes gives him before he torches him. Beautiful. I, I love my boy. <laughs> I love them. I love them all. Uh and Angel is apparently talking to the baby, saying, Mm. We'll get through this. It's great. I love that he's like, action set pieces are easy. Being a dad is hard. And I I appreciate that. Um, I wrote in my notes at this point when I was mad at Angel, babe, you suck at both. Um, (laughs) because I was so mad at him for endangering this child, and I was like, that baby does not have a car seat. I was that really like gave me so much anxiety. I wish at I like, could like not
2: remember these things but unfortunately obviously you know I do so I'm like I'm like what's Morgan to think and of, of course I noted the big action set piece I'm like Morgan's gonna love that because it's so good and it's like at this point uh, Buffy's not really doing that they were doing that kind of in season they were doing that in season five so mm-hmm. for season four for Angel that makes a lot of sense you know just uh, season three I'm sorry season mm-hmm. three for Angel it, it makes a lot of sense because again this show uh, it's pretty expensive to make and it it shows and honestly it really shows and like every facet really from like the monster design to like this uh, set piece.
1: Having, like, a car chase is huge. Like, that is such a big thing to do, like, for TV. Like, that's so many moving pieces, like, literally. <laughs> it is uh, not easy to do that budget-wise. So it's really impressive that they committed to it. And also, I mean... this is where I'd like to know very um, very Fast and Furious 8, um, Statham in a baby action sequence, uh, <laughs> Angel in a baby action sequence. I'm, I, I could not deny that that intrigued me in that way. <laughs>
2: Of course, so that was of course good to you. And I mean, I've talked about it before, just like on when I was guesting on this podcast, even before I was a host. And Ooh. I think it just always should be mentioned. Like, Angel was very ahead of its time in just terms of its presentation as a television show. It was like the first show that was like in widescreen. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, it's just it's a beautiful looking show that still looks beautiful today, and you don't have to like mm-hmm. you don't really have to worry about you know. Um, crew members showing up uh, because aspect ratio is fucked because again Mm -hmm. it was filmed in widescreen and presented as such and I just like I remember watching the show live and it literally every week looked like you were watching a movie on the WB
1: Mm -hmm. and I think that's really true like it which is interesting that they decided to be in widescreen especially with the first season which has I think like so much of like an old Hollywood throwback feeling that I think they ultimately kind of stop doing, except for the like cinematicness of it. Um to not use words well. Um it it is really cool. Like it it does look still so good, which a lot of stuff from this era kind of doesn't, which is a bummer. All our all our bad guys like flee, like they're like, we hope we've stalled long enough. (laughs) Angel takes them to an abandoned mine, which again
2: is It's, a, it's a, amazing that they're, they, like, taking us to an abandoned mine. Like, this is what the chase
1: scene's leading to. It, very impressive. Uh, not easy to, like, big, big, big area. lot of extras. Lots of expensiveness. Uh, Angel finds himself surrounded. And he says, you want the baby? Have the baby. And he tosses it to them. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thank God that wasn't a real baby. <laughs> and it is the teddy bear. It, oh, poor teddy.
2: Teddy I'm- goes kaboom. Teddy didn't deserve that. Teddy did do nothing wrong.
1: He didn't do a dang thing wrong in his life. Making me very sad. But uh, it blows up and Angel gets away. Yeah. Woo-hoo! And it turns out the gang has the baby and they're at the hospital where they should have been all along. So good. Yeah. And we see the first non-Angel person to hold the baby. We see it, it in Cordy's arms, which is very nice. It feels very right.
2: <laughs> and then we got Linwood enhancing over at from and Heart.
0: Oh,
1: if you think I didn't write ENHANCE in all caps in my notes, <laughs> I loved that. So he's like, magnified a hundred times. Again? <laughs> That's 200 times. It's a lot of times. And so he sees Lauren handing over the note and calling out the supply closet where there are no cameras. So it becomes clear. This whole thing was a plan and a setup. Yay, we love it. I write in my notes, Angel being a dick was an act for the cameras, thank goodness. <laughs> Gavin then Gavin. immediately. <laughs> Gavin. Try to, I try to clown on it. Angel's
2: acting chops. I don't believe it. <laughs> I'm Gavin.
1: And Lyle's like, sure, seemed like you fucking believed it. <laughs> Why didn't you tell anyone if you didn't believe it, Gavin? And then Linwood's like, you know what? This is fine. The herd has been thinned. You know, everything is still working towards our devices.
2: Yeah, and Lila, you know, has some, some Holtz information about, like, how all the stuff happened 200 years ago and he's still human. So we've got some time traveling and those damn scrolls. <laughs> uh, So time to do some more Holtz research. So Lila is a- above Gavin again, is what, what's happening here. But then... Hell yes. Sirens go off. Those vampire detectors, baby...
1: Yes. angel's here
2: to see linwood
1: and i am fanning <laughs> myself uh both of our both of our fuck watches right in the same room the you cut the tension with a knife uh angel walks in he slices this guy's face and he's like my son is a cut in his cheek so now you do too and i was like one hot two yes <laughs>
2: yes and make hot. him pay <laughs> But don't don't kill him because we love Linwood. Let him live.
1: Yes, please. Well, we can't kill Linwood because he's the baby's godfather. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. He's like, anything that happens to my son, a scraped knee, a bruise, that happens to you now. So, like, you're going to lay the fuck off of him. Um, And uh, Linwood's like, cool, understood. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Good for Angel. I I love it this scene is great
2: set up that college fund because uh Angel wants the baby to go to Notre Dame fighting <laughs> Irish baby
1: <laughs>
2: oh what a cliche
1: but I'll allow it
2: <laughs> <laughs> my next note is all caps none of them are the mother
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh great because my next note is baby good <laughs> <laughs> So the nurse hands back the baby and is like, he got, like, he's got all his immunizations, and his tests came back fine, and they're, and none of none of the women around are the mother, uh, but they're like, we actually need a name for the baby, and Angel comes in, and he says that the baby's name is Connor. Aww. I, I think I teared up at this. I was just Aww. like, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> they're all together, like, because I, because fi- finally they're all together and they're not doing like a scheme where they have to pretend that they hate each other or they're not actually on each other's nerves. It's just like a nice warm moment with the whole family. And I was uh, just unwell.
2: <laughs> oh. Mr. Angel, which uh, my mother actually said when I was about to watch this episode without realizing, she's like, she's like, oh, hi, Mr. Angel. She said to like the screencast. <laughs>
1: uh. You tell her it's it's Geraldo to her. <laughs> <laughs> Geraldo Angel, a pet psychiatrist with a small practice in Pacoima, who also fights crime. <laughs> uh, oh, Fred. Fred. Fred, please come up with all my aliases as well.
2: <laughs> Again, if Wesley were around, <laughs> he could have just said his name is Liam, because <laughs> his name is Liam. It's William, Liam. even.
1: <laughs> Do we think that angel has any documents like if he i mean he
2: has fake documents because of either both david and lila because of <laughs> because of gavin
1: <laughs> okay love it love it love it um and then uncle gun comes in with the best stroller that a small amount of money can buy oh i and see they're scream. good it's good no fighting and also later like angel even compliments gun on the stroller so they're good no one is mad at anyone yes and it, i just and then my last note is safe comma home <laughs> and they do the hero walk with baby connor I, the, the, I that they all walk towards camera with the stroller and it's just like it really is putting down the gauntlet it's like this is it it kind of pitches this idea that the show is going to completely change that it's going to be like angels a dad now and that's part of things and they are a family now and that matters and that is i mean given the way babies are treated on tv very much as show ruiners that's a pretty bold statement
2: i was gonna ask about what you think in terms of jumping the shark what do you think this is i mean i think it it could there's so many ways in which this could be
1: jumping the shark Mm -hmm. i Like Dad Angel, I think this is good, actually. I think this is good, actually. And I think that a a baby's only a show killer if you're bad at making shows. Like, I I think that... And obviously there are exceptions and things and stuff like that. But I I really think that, like, you get to decide if you want to have a baby on your show. So don't put a baby on your show if it's going to make the show worse. (laughs) And I... I recall liking the way that they handle things. Uh, and I also think that everyone – like like I said, the angel writers know what they are doing. So as long as you are, like, writing well and treating it seriously, I think you can always make a baby fun on a show. Like, it was always good for – I think, like, Jane the Virgin does it so dang well. Like, that is a show that I definitely don't feel like is uh, harmed by, like – The kids. The kids are great. Yeah, there
2: are babies all around Jane the Virgin. And you know what? It's good. I think it's time to pick a WB episode that Angel needs to watch. Hit the theme. (laughs) Angel is a vampire. Does he even like TV? I think he'll like the WB. I've already chosen a uh, small episode ageless, which is the exploding baby episode written by Stephen uh, K. tonight. So I'm basically just going to um, do it again, but with a different show, which they had their own like ticking time bomb baby, which is uh, the birds of prey episode, uh, season one, episode four, three birds and a baby that you referenced three men and a baby unrelated, unrelated even more perfect. Um, <laughs> in this episode, uh, Helena rescues an abandoned baby boy that she names Guy and brings <laughs> him back to, 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 to raise him. Then he rapidly ages. Like, this is some WandaVision shit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once he's an adult, basically, he turns out to be, like, an assassin who's set to kill them. Uh-oh. And this, you know, this episode's all, really all about Helena's mistrust of people, especially men. Mm-hmm. And so she is the one who, like, really like gets attached to this child. So it really sucks when he tries to kill her, you know? Right. And I mean, this episode really had like a real talent for the personalization of the struggle tease of peoplehoodedness. <laughs> Thank you. The WB apparently was like, let's rapidly age babies and see what kind of killing thing they could do. Do you think there
1: are more exploding babies? Because I feel like there actually are. I'm sure they're – I cannot think of another exploding baby, but I'm sure they exist. It's just – it's clearly just like, you know, too hot an idea to not uh, have more people rip off. It's either like an
2: exploding baby or like a ninja baby. Like it's a rapidly growing baby, and that's never good. I feel like
1: Roswell might have one as well, so if so, (laughs) I'm going to add that to the list. I mean, you say rapidly a growing baby, and you know I'm thinking about Renesmee and Renesmee only.
2: <laughs> I just threw a tissue at my screen because I was so upset. Fair enough. Uh, it's plug time, I believe. It's about yes. that time. Um, well, just going to say, our next episode is uh, season three, episode 11, Birthday. My personal favorite episode of Angel.
1: Really? Oh, well, I'm so excited. It's Cordelia's birthday. Look. In my opinion, that's a good episode premise. As we all, um, is she like a Jessica Day type about her birthday? Do you not remember anything about this episode? No, I don't. I'm so excited! Wow, <laughs> this is this whole episode is like write this in your Shanshu prophecy. Honestly, <laughs> the entire episode. I'm so excited. Like I, I, I knew this was. I knew birthday was a Cordelia episode. So I'm very, very excited.
2: Yeah, tell them where to find us and everything.
1: If you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at at AngelOnTopCast. If you would like to send us an email, which we would love to hear from you, you can write us at um, AngelOnTopPodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, that is uh, that is where you can find us and we can't wait to chat with you. We also um, have a Patreon which um we are starting to put more content up on there. We you should already have out a uh, little episode of a kind of like side podcast called Girls on Film. There is an episode where Girls I chat film. yeah, where I chat with uh, Kristen Russo of our feuding podcast Buffering the Vampire Slayer about the uh, 2003 classic Down with Love, which is uh, very fun. Uh, so check that out. Yeah, I have a Twitter.
2: Um, don't follow me on there. Don't talk to me, ever. Um, leave me alone, please.
1: <laughs> it's at LaFergs. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't tell them. <laughs> I, it's like she's a great follow but also don't follow her listen to her um you can follow uh you can follow me at lorgan mudich on whatever social media platform it interests you to do so and you can also hear both of us on our vampire diaries podcast the empire diaries if you're interested
2: you can follow me on my twitter but also just don't talk to me because every time i tweet something somehow people don't get i'm doing a bit or they try to mansplain something to me or like with an answer to a question I didn't ask, which was yeah, the latest one today. I asked a simple question and that. people were like, watch this. And I'm like, I don't need to. That That's not the, the question I needed answered.
1: Yeah. Use your common sense internet etiquette and don't be, you know, a silly goose. <laughs> Just leave me alone. <laughs>